0: with likes, conversations that interest me, and maybe you too. I'm your host Anne Hildebrand and my update here is that I am, as you know, working as a nanny right now. And in my past five years as sort of a kind of nomadic worker, traveler kind of person, I've had the opportunity to put on a lot of different hats. I mean, I've had a job... um, You know, like when I was in Patagonia, I was basically a general contractor to put in a pool in the middle of the desert. And then in Korea, I've been in a class of a bunch of housewives, foreign housewives from like the Philippines or Vietnam or China who were trying to learn Korean. And I had to kind of wear that hat. And down here, I've put on the five-star boutique luxury hotel receptionist hat. So I've done quite a few different things. You know, I've I've taught English to the chauffeur of the president of Monsanto in Argentina. Hate me if you like. It's, you know, that's, that's something I did. But um, anyway, I've just, I've been able to do a lot of random different things. And one of those things that I'm doing now as a nanny, I got the opportunity to kind of see what it's like to almost run a house, I guess. Uh, so this past week, the parents and the two younger boys went away. So I was in a house, um, with two kids that I was, you know, responsible for taking care of and keeping happy and healthy and fed and taking to swim lessons and taking to music concerts and that kind of thing. And for anyone who is a parent, I think you know that it's just, it's a kind of experience that you can't really describe. And obviously, like, this is not, this is only a tiny microcosmic slice of the experience of being a parent. I mean, these kids aren't my kids, that's a big difference, and, you know, I this is not my whole life, it's one week, but it's definitely, it's a sort of snapshot into the life and responsibilities of, for example, a lot of stay-at-home moms, and I think it's a lot, it's in the sort of public discourse a lot recently about, you know, moms and going to work or not, and how a big part of the sort of feminist revolution was getting women in the workplace like men. But now we have all these sort of problems, because we thought, you know, equality meant women doing what men did, where now there's kind of problems with that, because it's, we're, it's undervaluing what women did and have done for so many years, which is a massive job of running a household and raising children. Man, like that's a huge job and you don't get to just take off sick time when you want. You don't even get to, the to- go to the toilet necessarily like when you want or without um someone following you and, you know, having something to say. Um so it's something that I've really appreciated getting just getting an experience of and I definitely have so much respect for all those people like you know if I ever hear oh, you know this woman you know she raised six kids alone like holy, I have no idea how how one could do that. So I really appreciate that sort of experience and that's just one of the things that, I would never have expected to come my way, and here I am, you know, like I got to got to see what that was like. So I really appreciate it. And in line with that, kind of the idea that you never have a minute free, my conversation today is with Elle, who works at the hospital here in Quilpie, and I met her at the park to talk. And of course, uh, I was there with Stewie, who you will hear, um, who's three years old, and you don't get a break, you know, and that's going to, you're going to kind of hear him coming in and out of conversation, and I guess that's kind of appropriate for the whole context, and Elle was wonderfully patient with all of that, of course, because she's cool, so without further ado, I will lead you into my conversation with Elle. (laughs) 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 Everybody. <laughs> 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 totally unsolicited. All right, so I'm here with Stuart. That was Stu. You want to say hello, Stu? Hello. All right, and uh, and L. Want to say hello, L? Hello. And uh, can you tell us where we are right now?
1: We're in the Quilby Park.
0: Yeah, and Quilby is what to you right now?
1: Home. Home to me right now.
0: And how long has that been?
1: Um, since March 2007.
0: Okay, and what brought you out here?
1: Mm. Vicky's are yum. Vicky's are yum. Stewie, do you want to go... How about you go eat those
0: blueberries over on the playground? Does that sound good? Hmm. Yeah? Want to go eat them over there? He's a performer. Here's a microphone. (laughs) Loves it. I love my things. You do.
1: I eat them a right Okay, you
0: eat those right there.
1: So, Al, what brought you out here? Well, I tell people two different stories. If I don't want to get into it, I say I was on a holiday and just stayed. But there was no other element to that? Maybe. Maybe there was a boy. Oh, okay. With it. Okay, that usually has something to do with it. I was in the preparation of deciding if I was going or not and met my now husband and clearly stayed. And um, what, well, so where were you from before that? Um, just south of Coffs Harbour, a little town called Maxville.
0: And how's life like there?
1: Oh, beautiful. Mum and Dad own a little property and it's 142 acres and it's just kind of backs onto the rainforest. So half of it is kind of lovely rainforest and then it's on the side of a hill and then you go down to lovely farming lands and stuff. So What yeah. do they
0: farm on there?
1: Um, mainly goats, but not very many at the moment. It's really like a hobby thing for them. Okay.
0: Yeah. So what are the main differences between living there and out here, would you say?
1: Oh, I'd say family um, because now I have Dean's family. out here, next. Yeah. Okay. Which they're gorgeous people. They're all lovely. So that's really nice that they've incorporated me Yeah. Um, but you say hi, Danny? You can say hi. Say hi one more time, Stu. Hi. All right. Hi, Stu. <laughs> so out
0: here, you're with Dan's family?
1: Yeah, yeah, which um, they're mainly around Charleville. So that's lovely. Um, and Charleville's
0: and, about two hours away?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Charleville is. And then my family's still back at home. and so, yeah, I'd, I'd say that's the main difference in being close to the coast. So out here, would you say, like, is, is there much
0: of a cultural difference than the coast? Like, how would you compare I, those two?
1: I'd say so. I think Koolby's very friendly uh-huh. the, its population is a lot smaller, so you, do, you, know your, you know your person that you go buy your groceries from and, you know, you can have a big chat to them and they're very friendly.
0: So you find that to be more of a positive thing? Uh-huh. I, know, I know for yeah. some people it's one of those, like, small-town kind of, like, gossipy... Uh,
1: if there's anything to gossip about, about. I'm sure they have about me. I'm sure I've been pregnant like five times. So <laughs> you know, and that's okay. But you, you do try and see the positive side of where you're living. There's, yeah, there's always going to be positives and negatives. But
0: well, it's really safe here, too. That's absolutely safe the for thing. kids
1: like Stewie. Hey,
0: and like, no one locks their bike up. That's not even a thing. And
1: no, hardly uh, anyone locks their car. Yeah, I lost my car keys this morning. I thought, where are they? I went out to my car and windowed in car keys in them. Oh, that's where they are
0: people seem to do that. All- yeah, there's car-, car keys in the car just yeah. like lying around yeah. everywhere. Yeah, so that's definitely like a p- plus side. You were on a holiday recently to Canada yes. and the States. Did yes. you notice any sort of like, I don't know, cultural differences over there? Or what were some surprising things?
1: I suppose, similar in the way that, you know, we all talk, you know, the same language and things like that. But just, yeah, a couple of differences. I guess, always with the cultural side of things and they're Indigenous. It's just slightly different from, I suppose, ours, but still that they respect them and, you know, want to preserve their way of life and things like that. So that was um, that was cool, understanding that. How did you
0: come across that? I find that really interesting, the differences. Because yeah. like, there's a big difference between Canada and the States, too, about the way that...
1: Yes, absolutely, and we found that as well once we crossed the border. and Right. Yeah. yeah. And so I what's suppose, your
0: perspective on that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, Canada was... They, they did, they seem to really cherish oh, their and you know want to help and, and things like that and have things already in place for them. So we learned about that at um, Whistler okay. in Canada. They seem to have this, uh, I don't know what the right word was for it. Can I like have a another
0: woman? How about this mm? If, you, If I give you this watermelon, yeah. you go eat it on the slide. Deal? Yeah. Okay. Thanks bud. Yeah, so that was good. So what do they have from the First Nations up there? Is it?
1: Well, I don't know what they're called. I forgot. Oh. <laughs> but oh, yeah, but so I mean, they do. but like,
0: how did you learn about them? I don't even know. I wouldn't. I went to the resort there, so I like missed anything oh, right cultural. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, I suppose they do. They have this um this awesome setup, and you, you go there, and you have a tour guide, and they go through, I suppose, the first thing that we learned was their song and culture, and... Um, one of the First Nations people was there and he was singing and explaining that. They explained about how they um, made canoes and, and everything like that. And then they went on to weaving and what houses they lived in and they had actual yeah. houses there as well. And so that was pretty cool. And um, different, you know, summer ones to winter ones and, and when they'd use it and for battles and stuff. And yeah, that was interesting and because we hadn't grown up with that. Right.
0: Well, and what was the difference you found with the states? I found
1: that there there kind of wasn't as much. Yeah. Yeah, it it was hard because maybe just the, the, I suppose, the states that we were in in the U.S. might have been a little bit more uh, country, if you call it. (laughs) Well, I think, no,
0: I think it's actually like that. Uh, I'm really amazed here by how, um, how, present aboriginal culture is just in like day-to-day life and people ask me well how is it there with you know native americans and i was like well it's not i mean i can't really compare because like we there's you could live your whole life in the states and never think once or twice about native americans unless you yeah, lived yeah, yeah. in the midwest and had to pronounce the name of some city
1: yeah
0: <laughs> this is probably totally whitewash anyway
1: exactly i don't know we found that the most i suppose difference was that when we went to the first place that we stayed Finish. in the u.s. once we crossed the border i have a fat belly
0: all right stewie you gonna go have a play on the horses
1: thanks so it was we stayed at a place called great falls and where um where we were staying was a long way from restaurants and stuff, so we decided to walk. So we'll walk past and we walk past some pubs and stuff and we didn't actually realise until probably the third pub that we walked past and had it still a big sign saying no colours up. And that was a I don't know, I always a shock for us because Wait, we're where was that? In Great Falls in Montana. Really? Yeah.
0: It wasn't like was it like it's supposed to
1: be a historical thing? But no, because the- then and then we paid attention, and and most of the other pubs had said still no colours, and we thought, wow, we didn't realise that that, that was a a thing. I didn't realise that was a thing either. Maybe it's not. Maybe it just. <gasps> no,
0: I I mean I've never been there. So yeah, I would-
1: yeah. So that would that was something that, that kind of shocked us and put it into perspective that. We were just assuming that maybe Canada in the US was like Australia, but then we started to notice a few differences like that and yeah.
0: Well how would you characterise Australia, like from a native person's perspective? Um, I suppose that's hard to do. By native, I, I, m- I meant you native <laughs> yeah. as opposed to me, not yeah. indigenous. Yeah. How would you characterise Yeah, the way that, uh, I don't know, like the presence of Aboriginal culture in, in your awareness as like a white person here? Like, Did you learn about it at school?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We did. It was part of, you know, most years growing up that you learn about their history and their heritage and and ours as well, Mm -hmm. and and how we come to be today and hopefully moving forward and and things like that. So I would like to think that we embrace it and that, you know, that we're all equals and that everything's, you know, like that. But, um, yeah, it was just, I suppose, different with that perspective in the US. And as I said, that was only a small little perspective, but, um, yeah, it made you realise that, well, wow, it, it is different from where we live. And were there any other things that Not food so things much. or yeah, I don't know. Well, we were always told that when you went to the U.S. that they had really bad food, oh. and so we were preparing ourselves because in Canada. Have my wack to eat. Yes. We will
0: We'll pause for a sec while I do this, and then because I want to get what you're saying. Because I'm recording and I'm listening to Elle, Is that all right? Okay. We're gonna listen to her talk for a second. Cool.
1: So, yeah, we experienced some really good food in, in Canada and what appeared to be kind of just like Aussie food in, in a way, but with little twists, depends on where you went. And so that was nicely experiencing, I suppose, that different culture as well in their food. Um, and then, yeah, we had prepared ourselves because everyone was saying, you know, the food's a little bit, you know, don't expect the same. Um, but maybe it was just where we were eating. We didn't really find a problem with it. I mean, Australian food is like the average
0: bar is mm. very good, right? Like if you go if you go out into a restaurant, you can expect to have pretty good food. Whereas yeah. I think in the states, you're, there's probably a wider range of
1: yeah, yeah, and what you might get. Yeah, and I think maybe because we were eating at restaurants because we were on holidays and things like that, that maybe it was if it, it was different if you went to fast food places and stuff like that. But, oh yeah. Yeah. So. Also,
0: I, food here, you, food, I need some water. You just are a little performer, aren't you? Um, I am.
1: <laughs> yeah, you
0: are. <laughs> um, I think also food here is a lot more expensive. Mm, yeah. So, yeah, we
1: found in the U.S. it definitely was a lot cheaper. I am. Um, but Canada, we just felt maybe where we were eating was about the same price.
0: Okay. So, let's go back to like your personal experiences. Like... Here, I mean, how was it easy for you to adapt? Stewie, this is silly, (laughs) this is silly. Can you please take your wrap and go eat it on the playground? I should never have told you what a microphone was. Here, you finish up that, Bicky. (laughs) You chew it. Good thing there's a nurse here. (laughs) Just
1: shove it in your mouth.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And you come back if you need a drink of water, it'll be right here on the table, okay?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Such a goof. <laughs> Such a character. Very spirited a little
0: mean. He does sing and dance quite a lot and quite well. So, back to your personal kind of experiences here. Have you? Did you ever work in a hospital anywhere
1: else? No, this was the first one that I worked in. Really? So, yeah, I started out... So I came out here when I was 17 and I was trying to also, you know, pay rent and and do all that stuff. So I got a couple of part-time jobs and then eventually landed a part-time job with Queensland Health as cooking and cleaning and, you know, laundry and all that. So that was really good. I felt like, yes, I've got a foot, you know, in the door in a good employment, basically. And um, I was probably working there about four months or so and, you know, you talk to some of the nurses and I said, oh, what is this nursing thing about?
0: Oh. I said, oh, we're
1: just going to do handover and, you know, we'll come back and, and have a chat to you and see, you know, if you have any questions and that. So anyway, off I went back to the laundry, got a little tap on the door and our director of nursing came in. She said, I heard you want to do nursing. I said, no, no, I wanted to see what it was about. So we had a little chat and she said, well, how about if you start your enrolled nursing and see if you like it and go from there. Yeah, and then got a position as a assistant in nursing while I was studying full-time, so it was good that I could work and, and study, right. which really, really helped. After I finished that, I thought, well, I do like nursing, and it seems like I'm gonna be here. By that time I'd met Dan, and you know, Quilpy seemed like it for a while, so I decided to then do my registered nursing and go to uni and complete that, so, Yeah, yeah.
0: Does that mean, so what was originally, what you think you were gonna be doing? Did you have an
1: idea of a career path before that changed? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was still at school in New South Wales, I was really interested in architecture and things like that. And then I moved out here and I thought, well, that's not going to happen. Okay. <laughs> and then I was looking at employment opportunities and thinking of the future. And out here, there isn't too many industries that you can get into. And nursing seemed like a pretty secure one at the right. time. Kind of fell into, We're now looking back and thinking of it, it was a good choice. Right,
0: but yeah. that's kind of how a lot of things work out. You mm, couldn't absolutely. have planned it.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that's it.
0: But it is pretty crazy because you did end up out here almost on an accident, the fact that you were like, yeah, out to visit people. I mean, the people that you came out to visit originally, are they still here? No, not one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and do you plan on staying here for the foreseeable future? Absolutely. I grub.
1: Yeah.
0: Aussie slang translation, grub means poop. Uh, Okay, Stu, you go do that and you holler when you need me, okay? Alright.
1: Speaking of kids, kids would be awesome to grow up in Kilpie. Right. And have them and the safety and just watching, you know people with their kids around here, there isn't too much. You know, they can go play in the playground without any trouble and,
0: yeah. Yeah, they just ride to school or walk to school alone and a lot of places that would not happen.
1: And they know all the shop owners and they kind of look out for them as well and if anything was to happen there, you know, they'd be straight there, so. Yeah. It's a good feeling.
0: Um, I'm being called, I will pause this. So I'm being called to help little Stu in the toilet and then come back. So one question that I ask everybody. Is my mother? No, because you're talking. Is, uh, what are you? <laughs> 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 Stuart, beg. If you say one more word, I'm going to pick your butt up and put it on the slide, okay?
1: <laughs> and want? it will eat my, my lap?
0: Yes. <laughs> you're going to be quiet, okay? All right, what are you excited about right now?
1: Right now, I suppose many little things. Planning for another trip overseas in a couple of years, that's so always exciting. Christmas is coming up, that's exciting. Um, maybe I'm studying study again in February, so that's a little bit to get excited about You're or you starting nervous. to study again. Yeah, yeah, so I'm doing my midwifery. Yeah. So, which means many trips to Charleville and beyond. Okay. Ding. Yeah. So, so well, because out here, uh, people don't have their babies out here. No, no, so the closest place is Charleville, which is two hours away. Yeah, so women either have to travel there or they travel where they have family and friends. and they stay with them. Let's do it. I would, I don't want my web and I want something else to eat.
0: So, if I give you something else to eat, where are you going to eat it?
1: And um, that's why? Right.
0: Yes, okay.
1: I want uh, a win.
0: All right. And what was the other thing you said you were excited about? I've forgotten already. Oh, I don't know. Okay.
1: <laughs> Christmas! Christmas! It's <gasps> always exciting. Right, so what are some traditions you, guys, you have for Christmas? Since meeting Dan, he's always been excited about Christmas. He really loves decorations and lights, so. That's what we get kind of excited about. We go, oh, it's nearly December. I have to start thinking about life. I eat my animal. That's how he's
0: resorting to getting our attention. <laughs> All right, I think Stuart says it's the end of this conversation, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, thank you very much for talking to me. No, thank you. And to Stuart.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Stewie. Yeah. He's yeah. too busy eating
0: my leg. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much, Elle. conversation with Elle just really drives home for me the point of how lucky we are to have access to medical care. We kind of were talking at the end about how, you know, Elle works at the hospital here in Quilpie, but even here there's not facilities for women to give birth. And that's something that they have to go out of town for. But even, you know, here in this tiny town that's very rural, They have a hospital and there's a lot of places in the world where that would just not be a thing. And there's a lot of benefit that we get from being in first world countries that we don't even think of. Like when I was down in Sydney earlier this year and I had to, well, I was convinced that I had a cavity in my tooth. And so I when we went on that meditation retreat, I was looking at night and I thought I saw it like getting darker and I was convinced I was like, oh, God, this cavity's getting worse and worse and worse. And um, but eventually when we got out and I did look up a dentist and I was basically trying to look for the cheapest option available. And because I'm in a first world country, like I know there's regulations. I'll go to the cheapest dentist and I'm sure it'll be just fine. I mean, I'm not going to get some sort of crazy buyer's remorse from having a back, you know, back room, uh, filling done. Like if it's a licensed dentist, then if it's the cheapest one, I'm, I'm safe. And having that sort of reassurance is really, I mean, Hey, that's what we pay taxes for. You know, it's, it's something that, I don't think I would have appreciated had I not been in places where medical care wasn't so straightforward. And one of those places, for example, was in Vietnam. And I've had two experiences with the hospital in Vietnam. One was in Saigon. I I, would, I got a tick bite in Cambodia and I was convinced that it was like Lyme disease And because before I've had a tick bite that looked like Lyme disease, but it was a staph infection, this looked different. So I was like, oh no, this time it's really Lyme disease, you know? And uh, it was just, it's definitely not the same experience as going to a hospital in the States. And I was actually really lucky that I had a couch surfing host who spoke English and I explained to him my problem and he wrote everything down in Vietnamese for me which was really nice. I mean, unrelatedly, he was awesome. I stayed at his house for like a week, so it was really cool. But my friend Sarah, I met up with her actually in Saigon after I went to that hospital. She came, and we we met each other in Korea, and we were going to travel together for a bit, and we went up to Da Nang, and in the process of going up there, she started to feel ill, and then while we were there, we... She got really sick and um, she wasn't sure what it was. She was like really dizzy and I don't remember all of her symptoms, but she was clearly very ill. And again, we were in the situation of, okay, we have to go to the hospital, but we don't know. I mean, Vietnam is definitely a place where as a Westerner, you're going to get ripped off. There's a lot of bad blood. Clearly, obviously, like I, I get that. But it's just, you know, the fact of the matter is as a Westerner, especially an American there, you have to be very aware and it's a very vulnerable place to be in to be like, we need to go to the hospital and we need to figure out how to do this right, you know, and fortunately we were also couch surfing there and that was actually an awesome couch surf it was the the guy who was running the house had had a spinal cord injury a few years before and so because the services for people with disabilities in vietnam is so limited he was like all right well i'll do what i can he opened up this house to have people with disabilities who were students live in the house and they had couch surfers and in order to kind of Earn our keep, we just basically had to do a presentation about where we were from and do like English conversation lessons with the people there. And they were all really awesome and it was super cool. So, fortunately, we were staying with them. And he was like, Hey, you know, through these family connections, like this is the hospital that you should go to. And one of his relatives came and picked us up and took us to that hospital and escorted us in. You know, because we were with a Vietnamese person, we were treated a lot better. And so my friend Sarah kind of got, they got her her own room. I mean, hey, also because they know that she can pay for it. And they're looking at, you know, Westerners and they see dollar signs. And, um, but it was, you know, she got the care she needed basically. But then once our Vietnamese sort of like chaperone was gone, you know, they, they decided to keep her overnight. So she stayed in the hospital overnight. Okay, she was getting a little better. Uh, she was, like, on an IV drip and things like that. And they were doing all these different tests. And, okay, so they say she needs to stay another night. Okay, she stayed two nights. And on the third day, you know, they'd done um, they'd done a bunch of tests and different things. And they'd found things that were unrelated. That She was like, yeah, I know I have this, so you don't need to tell me about it. And the doctor was explaining that she needed to stay longer. And basically, I mean, without me going into her medical details, like... I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense at all. Like, the things that you're saying are related are not related. And it became clear to me at that point that, like, the first night hospitalization was necessary. The second was, I mean, was dubious, but, like, okay, you know, I could see, I mean, she still was, like, recuperating. The third, there was no way. Like, she was fine. And so um, I said to the doctor, okay, well, you're a doctor, so I know that you won't do anything to hurt a person, right? So if she, if she needs to stay here, then you'll keep her here. But just so you know, the insurance that we have won't pay for anything past this point. So past this point, there, there's no money, really. And she was discharged within two hours, So, it's one of those things where we take medicine for granted in a lot of ways, and in some places, you know, the corruption is very obvious, like it was in that case, and there's definitely corruption in our system as well, but just, I'm very thankful to, you know, for all the access that I have to good medical care, it's something that is really can be taken for granted. So, on that note, I'm also really thankful for all of you wonderful people listening, and, um... Please talk to me because I'm leaving in one month. In one month, I'm starting my big year-long hiking expedition. And so I won't have stable internet. So talk to me. Email me, Facebook me, whatever. Check out the Facebook page, Stories with Legs, if you want to see photos of any of the people that I talk to. And thank you to Kevin McLeod over at Incompetech for the music. And thank you to Josh Reinhardt for your tech savvy. I will see you.
1: kind of fell into, we're now looking back and thinking of it, it was a good choice.